What's up everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Tier 1 Podcast. Today on the show, uh, again, I have failed to get a guest. We did have a couple of people booked in, but unfortunately they, uh, well, it fell through. And uh, you stuck with me again this week, so got another kind of interesting um, person book to talk about. To be honest, I just kind of threw it all together today as uh, one of the things I'd scheduled was for yesterday evening, so I thought I'd at least have that for you. But either way, I hope you enjoy this episode. It's going to be revolving around a book which um, I usually don't buy physical books, mainly because I'm a terrible reader, which might make this podcast quite painful. Because I am going to read a little bit of it to you. But uh, this book was meant to be um, read rather than listened to. Uh, and I had read some of his previous work. And it's a book called Discipline Equals Freedom Field Manual by a man who I've mentioned maybe even every podcast I've done called Jocko Willink. He's like a hero of mine, I guess. And Jocko is a former Navy SEAL. Really intense guy. If you saw like pictures of him, just imagine a typical Navy... Close your eyes, you know. Imagine a typical Navy SEAL in your head. That's Jocko, right? (laughs) Um, But atypical in that he's not... um, It's not just a meathead. Yeah, he's jacked and like... I think he's like, you know, not massive. He's like 5'10", but like 230 pounds or something whatever that is in kilograms, big dude, but really literate, really intelligent, uh, you know, he's obviously wrote a lot of books, but he's got a podcast where he reads a lot of books, uh, usually ones that are quite dark and really get into, uh, I guess, the weeds of uh, just human existence. He's a big fan of Miyamoto Musashi from... Um, obviously, we like, talked a lot about in the last podcast. You'll see some parallels with this book and uh, some of Masashi's philosophy. Um, and you know, he is such a literate person. He's got a degree in English as well. And some of his best podcasts, I think, has been when he's been talking about kind of Shakespeare's work and that kind of stuff. He, which can be really hard to digest, I think, when you if you've ever read any of that. But he is a master at making something complex like Shakespeare's work, breaking it down into really simple and then relaying it to you. It's just, when he reads something like that, it takes on a whole different meaning and understanding, I guess, which is something I really like about him. Uh, He's a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt as well, which uh, which I think is just awesome. He talks... uh, on his podcast almost every episode about jiu-jitsu which obviously if you've listened to any of these podcasts you know has become a big part of my life i first heard of him actually um quite an important time in my life it was kind of i still remember exactly to be honest it's it was like late september uh 2015 when i um i was just starting maybe like literally that week going to uh, Gracie Baja Leeds with Professor Mike. And uh, a month from then, I was about to start training with the Marines. 
So it kind of, uh, it was a podcast with Tim Forrest and uh, it kind of came out a really interesting sign for me. I remember listening to it because if you've heard of my thoughts on podcasts, I think the epitome of a podcaster episode with an interview is when you listen to a podcast and you need to stop everything you're doing just to listen to the story that someone's telling. Because for me, I listen to podcasts on the go, you know, in the gym, walking somewhere, cooking, whatever it is I'm doing, playing video games, what you know. But if I literally need to stop, go somewhere quiet, sit down and just listen to someone, that's like the most powerful thing. And I had to do that for this one with Jocko. I remember actually I was, uh, I literally just ran myself a bath, uh, as gay as that might seem. <laughs> um, and yeah, just kind of listen to Jocko and Tim. Uh, yeah, like a really important time uh, for me before I was going to embark on this thing that I wanted to do since I was like 11 years old and he was, you know, a commander in the same kind of world. So yeah, um, that's when I first got introduced to Jocko and he has written a few books now, uh, all of which I've read or listened to rather. Um, in the Well, his first book, Extreme Ownership, I think I've bought the ebook, the audio book and the physical book. Um, this one though, it was his second book, uh, his second or third if you count, he's, he's uh, wrote some uh, kids books as well, which I've not read actually. Um, but this one, Discipline Equals Field, uh, Freedom, Field Manual. It's a really beautiful book actually, just looking at, looking at it here, it's, it's all black with like a textured kind of front and all the writing is kind of textured as well, but it's all, all, all the writing is white and it kind of looks like, looks like an old typewriter type text. It's really simple and, and clean and yeah. Anyway, the, the first page actually I really love is, well, inside cover rather. Is a black, it's all black and white, and um, it's just a picture of a barbell with a couple of plates on it, chalk everywhere, and just a puddle of sweat, which I think <laughs> really kind of underpins what the rest of the book's going to be like. Um, and then the kind of first page, really, or rather the dedication to the book, um, is just a couple of pages in here. Let's have a quick look. Beg pardon for the. Uh, page turning noises, but I'm sure quite annoying. Um, but it's here. The book is dedicated to Mark Lee, Mike Monsor, and Ryan Joe from SEAL Team 3, Task Unit Bruiser, who lived and fought and died as warriors. Which um, uh, might not, uh, might seem like a normal kind of dedication for someone in that world, but it had like a lot of in meaning to me because while I was in uh, training for the Marines uh, and I was injured, a lot of times we would spend a bit of time just kind of uh, working on skills like presentation skills, which might not seem <laughs> your first thought of what a Marine does, but it is an important thing to kind of be being able to deliver information for a, for, you know, a mission you were going on or something like that. Uh, so yeah, and we could pick a whatever we wanted to do our presentation on, or at least this one time uh, we could. And I chose um, to do mine on SEAL Team 3, Task Unit Bruiser and the Battle for Ramadi, Iraq 2006. 
and um, you guys might have kind of seen a little bit of that in kind of things like um, uh, the American Sniper film because uh, Chris Kyle, the American Sniper, was um, in Charlie Platoon of, of Task Unit 3. Uh, sorry, uh, SEAL Team 3, Task Unit Bruiser. And they, they became the most highly decorated unit in all of the Iraq war. And at that time, Ramadi, Iraq was you know probably the most dangerous place on planet Earth. Uh, there would be you know 30 to 50 attacks a day uh, heavy casualties on you know the Amer- American and allied kind of forces side and um one of the guys there Mike Mansour I think it was ended up getting uh, the highest honor the Americans gave the medal of honor and um yeah the book dedication uh, is really kind of important I guess so moving on to the book there's uh, the book uh, I'm literally only going to talk about uh, part one of the book. It, it breaks down into three parts, and the other parts are more about um, workout and nutrition kind of stuff. And um, but the part one is about Jocko's thoughts and stuff. And I want to just preface this by saying I'll preface, preface it a little bit actually. So there's um, Jocko has a really intense style. If you ever listen to him speak, uh, it's very you know just like. He talks in kind of short sentences and delivers words powerfully and, and repeatedly. It might be to say the same word a few times when he writes the way he speaks. So you'll see parallels in that. And uh, it for us kind of, I guess, you know, with our uh, English mentality, uh, it can be a little bit tough and a little bit cheesy and cringy, I think, sometimes to read, read it. But... Uh, Either way, I feel, you know, it's important. And I just wanted to um, preface the book with actually a quote from Jocko's first book, Extreme Ownership, um, which I've got here. And it was um, something that, uh, well, I'm not going to say I can always, a lot of this, what what you're about to hear is stuff I aspire to, but definitely not um, meet that goal a lot of the time. But I'm trying, man. I'm trying. So here's the quote from Extreme Ownership. The test is not a complex one. When the alarm goes off, do you get up out of bed or do you lie there in comfort and fall back to sleep? If you have the discipline to get out of bed, you win. You pass the test. If you are mentally weak for that moment and you let let that weakness keep you in bed, you fail. Though it seems small, that weakness translates to more significant decisions. But if you exercise discipline... That too translates to more substantial elements of your life. And here it is. Discipline equals feel, freedom field manual. And we're going to start with uh, page two. And the headline is The Way of Discipline, which might bring you back to last episode with um, Asashi's The Way, The Way of Walking Alone. And this is again the parallels that you'll see in. And Masashi breaks down the you know, the five types of people. I think it was like the gentlemen, the merchants, artisans, craftsmen, and, and all kinds of stuff. And the warrior. And Jocko definitely had the way of the warrior there. Uh, to the book. People look for the shortcut. The hack. And if you came here looking for that, you won't find it. The shortcut is a lie. The hack doesn't get you there. And if you want to take the easy road, it won't take you to where you want to be. Stronger, smarter, faster, healthier, better, free. 
to reach goals and overcome obstacles, the best version of you possibly will not happen by itself. It will not happen cutting corners, taking shortcuts or looking for the easy way. There is no easy way. There is only hard work, late nights, early mornings, practice, rehearsal, repetition, study, sweat, blood, toil, frustration and discipline. Discipline. There must be discipline. Discipline, the root of all good qualities, the driver of daily execution, the core principle that overcomes laziness and lethargy and excuses. Discipline defeats infinite excuses that say, not today, not now, I need a rest, I'll do it tomorrow. What's the hack? How do you become stronger, smarter, faster, healthier? How do you become better? How do you achieve true freedom? There is only one way. The way of discipline. And that's how the book opens up. So, <laughs> like I said, intense, right? Is, you know, short sentences. There's a lot of full stops here. <laughs> um, and again, sorry if I do mess up any of the reading. I really encourage you guys to go get uh, this book and have it for yourself. It's, it's pretty incredible. And... To me, it brings me back to a time where I've kind of cut corners, right? And then, in fact, I remember one time uh, in Marines training. It was really early, and I was such a bad recruit at that stage. I was, I was terrible. I didn't know what I was doing. And one of the next size, I think, I think it might have been called quick cover. And I want to bear in mind we hadn't slept much at all in the last oh, few weeks and especially not the last few days absolutely exhausted and we're in a wood block a pitch block and it's my turn to go on sentry to kind of keep security for the rest of the guys that are sleeping um, at least in our section with another guy and um, you know I pack up my stuff but I leave you know it's you know I've only got a little bit of time to get there. I'm rushing, I'm rushing. I see my mess tin. I thought, you know what? I don't need to take that with me. I don't need a mess tin to protect the the, uh, the um, harbour position. I'm just going to leave it here in my, um, you know, in the uh, kind of shelter we had um, in the bivvy. And I go in sentry and uh, my section corporal, uh, Corporal Jackson, scary, scary man, um, you know, bald heads, from Bolton, you know, really gruff northern accent. And in this quiet of the woodblock, all I hear is D'Souza! I don't know if fear has ever come over you guys that just drops down to the pit of your stomach. And had I been any more afraid of what was about to happen, um, I might have just kind of tried to, well, I got up as quick as I could and ran over to uh, where the noise was coming from, again in the pitch black, probably stumbling over and falling everywhere. And he looks at me and goes, what the fuck is this? And I could barely see it. And I'm like, looking, I'm like, I'm like oh shit. It's my mess tin. The preceding two or three hours um, consisted of Press-ups, burpees, crawls, getting wet. Again, press-ups, burpees, crawls. 
getting cold and wet again. And this is in December, you know, covered in this thick, grimy mud and freezing beyond what I could think of. And then I had another day into the field to do and, yeah, (laughs) don't cut corners, I guess. (laughs) Ah, Good times. Um, All right, let's get back to the book. Next part. So we'll look at page 12. Flick over to it. In this section, titled Mind Control. I'm going to take a quick drink here as it's a bit to read. When people think of the words mind control, they think of people controlling the minds of other people, not me. I think about controlling my own mind. Sure, we are physical beings, and we must obviously embrace our physicality, but we are our minds. I'm not going to go philosophical on what that means and where you actually is, whether it's a soul or your brain or your heart or some other conjured up place. What I do know is this, you, your mind, the thing that is reading and comprehending these words right now, that is you, and you can control it. You are the machine, and you can control it. People ask me, how do I get tougher, be tougher? How can I wake up early in the morning? Wake up early. How can I work out consistently every day? Work out consistently every day. How can I stop eating sugar, Jocko? Stop eating sugar. How can I even control... How can... Sorry. You can even control your emotions. How can I stop missing that girl or guy who broke up with me? Stop missing them. You have control of your mind. You just have to assert it. You have to decide that you are going to be in control. That you are going to do what you want to do. Weakness doesn't get a vote. Laziness doesn't get a vote. Sadness doesn't get a vote. Frustration doesn't get a vote. Negativity doesn't get a vote. Your temper doesn't get a vote. So next time you're feeling weak or lazy or soft or emotional, tell those feelings they don't get a vote. You are declaring martial law on your mind. Mind control. Impose what you want on your brain. Discipline. Power. Positivity. Will. And use that mind control to move your life where you want it to be. Stronger, faster, smarter, quicker, friendlier, more helpful, more driven. Don't let your mind control you. Control your mind. And then you can say free. Again, intense but powerful stuff. And reading that, you might um, kind of picked up. It's a lot about you, which, you know, um, you have control. You can even, you know all that kind of stuff and it goes back to Jocko's first book of extreme ownership there is nothing that's kind of beyond yourself and it um when I was getting ready for this it really uh, dinged the thing in my head uh, which I'd read recently because of getting ready for that um podcast about Masashi it was um well I'll quote it to you there is nothing outside yourself that can ever enable you to get better, stronger, richer, quicker, or smarter. Everything is within. Everything exists. Seek nothing outside of yourself. Seek nothing outside of yourself. 
That's kind of what Jocko's saying here, isn't it? It's um, the only obstacle um, really is kind of you and the limits you put on yourself. So I wanted to, you know, these these are just small parts of this book, guys, but um, they're just some parts that really kind of stood out to me. Moving on, let's go to, um, let's have a look here, page 18. 18 through 20. Um, the title for this one is Stress. And again, it's a bit of a, a long one, so bear with me. <clears throat> to the book. First of all, and I don't mean to minimise the stress people face, but imagine what Eugene Sledge went through on the... Pa- I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ruin the word, so I'm just going to leave it out in a battle. <laughs> and tens of thousands of Marines who suffered unimaginable horror Imagine David Hackworth assaulting enemy positions in Korea, wounded over and over again on the line, still going back for more. Imagine the warrior poet Alan Seeger in World War I getting ready to go over the top and make his rendezvous with death. Imagine the thousands of warriors who have gone before you, who have stood and faced evil and death. And now imagine you. I used to do this myself while in Iraq, facing stresses. Yes, we took casualties, and yes, it was awful and heartbreaking, and every bit as wretched as I could imagine. But worries have faced much, much worse. The Battle of the Somme, or Gettysburg, or the Battle of the Bulge, or the Chosen Reservoir. Humans Humans can withstand almost inconceivable stress, and you can too. So that is your first step gain perspective and to do that you must do something critical in many situations detach whatever problems or stress you're experiencing detach from them stress is generally caused by what you can't control the worst thing about incoming artillery fire is you can't control it it's happening and you just have to accept it don't stress about things you can't control if the stress is something that you can control and you are not, that is a lack of discipline and a lack of ownership. Get control of it. Impose your will to make it happen. Solve the problem. Relieve the stress. If the stress is something you can't control, embrace it. You can't control it, but how can you look at it from a different angle? How can you use it to your advantage? I couldn't control the chaos of combat. I had to embrace it. I had to figure out a way to take advantage of it, make it into your ally. So, don't fight stress, embrace it, turn it on itself, use it to make yourself sharper and more alert, use it to make you think and learn and get a better and get better and smarter and more effective. Use the stress to make you a better you. <sighs> that reminds me a lot of a guy called... Uh, Joe DeSena, and um, one of his books called uh, Spartan Up, where he talks a lot about changing your frame of reference for what is stressful, and sometimes I do think about that, you know, um, Joe DeSena is a, is a proper legend, you know, he, he invented this, you know, the Spartan races and the Spartan death races, and, you know, those, you know, um, if you've not heard of that, it's Tough Mudder would be like another thing like that, the obstacle racing. And um, there's a crazy story about Joe doing the Iditarod, which is like this 940 mile race in Alaska. 
and it's like usually a sled dog race of over like multiple days, and he uh, he ran it just without the dogs, <laughs> just carrying everything with him, and he's um, a really tough, intense dude. Really recommend like checking out his podcast, Spartan Up, or some of his books, um, some of the stuff he's been on. Um, and yeah, a lot of people just have kind of uh, bullshit problems, right? And I think I think people inherently need to be stressed, uh, just to be okay with those kind of. I think you're gonna be stressed, and you can mitigate what you're stressed about by going through some. I guess what I would consider real stresses. You know, I think it's really important for you to be kind of, you know, to be sleep deprived, to be hungry exhausted, cold, have some uncertainty, if you kind of go through that, and I, and that's something I think I've done a little bit of, and I'm going to try to do maybe like twice yearly, something that I really find difficult, something like when I did uh, uh, that kind of 90 kilometer run without doing any training for it, because that changes your frame of reference, that might be uh, out of everything I've ever done, the hardest single event. Uh, yeah, if it's not, it's certainly in the top three. I'd have to think about it more. And I can't describe to you, I'm simply not articulate enough, the feeling of getting into bed that evening. I was at my auntie Chrissy's house. Uh, it wasn't even, you know, her familiar bed to me. But my body was completely seized up. My mind was exhausted. Uh, it was really mentally taxing things well with trying to stay alert, running on all these A roads with cars flying past you at a million fucking miles an hour, it felt like. And just to know that was kind of like over <laughs> was... I wasn't stressed about anything for like the next four months. And changing your frame of reference like that I think is really important. The only other way I can think you can do it is, I don't know, there's this picture I really like called the pale blue dot and it's was taken by a uh, satellite called Voyager 1 as it left the solar system. And they just kind of did it by chance, they just flicked it around and and you see this kind of picture and, you know, if you look at it on your phone, it's probably, uh, you can see the planet Earth and uh, you can see it quite well, but it only take it's like this blue dot, probably the size of a pixel within the whole shape of your, you know, of all the space on the phone. And when you take a, when you guess, like Jocko says, detach and look at a third person kind of. So that's about as third person as you can get, right? Uh, just completely out of it. Like, I don't know. Your problems don't seem so big or your stresses. I think you can do it as well if you just like look up on a starry night and just be like, fucking hell, and really think about what you're looking at. Light from a, a star that's probably died out already fucking hundreds of light years away. Hmm. Anyway, let's get back to the book. Next one, we've got page 34. Bear with me. Uh, 
Ah, right. I love uh, this title, but it's something I probably struggle at with struggle with the most. Title: Default Aggressive Passage. Uh, proactive and aggressive are, are similar. They are both good. You certainly have to be proactive in the world. You want to be dictating what happens, not responding to it. And yes, that means creating or controlling a situation as much as you can. But being aggressive, that means you are ready to attack. As I always point out, this does not mean you walk around with your chest puffed out, ready to bang heads with everyone around you. It doesn't mean you confront people physically or mentally, head on without a tactically superior plan. It doesn't mean you go out straight forward into conflict without thought and without reason. It doesn't mean you engage in attrition warfare. No, that is almost never smart. What it does mean is that you're going to get after it. You're going to move fast. You're going to think fast. You're going to outthink and outmaneuver the enemy. If I think the enemy is going to attack me, I'm going to attack them first. If I think they are going to seize a piece of terrain, I'm going to be there waiting for them. If I think the enemy is going to flank me, too late, I'm already flanking them. I don't view aggression as an outward attitude. I view aggression as an internal character trait, a fire in your mind that says, I am going to win. I am going to battle and I am going to fight. And I'm going to use every tool I have to crush my enemy. And that tool might be fists, it might be guile, it might be a frontal attack, but it might might be a flanking manoeuvre, it might be an undeniable display of force, but it also might be a subtle political manoeuvre. And that is what aggression is to me. The unstoppable fighting spirit, the drive, the burning desire to achieve mission success using every possible tool, asset and strategy, tactic to bring about victory it is the will to win and if that kind of internal relentless aggression mode is default you will win (sighs) default (laughs) aggressive is something i really struggle with i'm i know probably from the last passage like i'm just too laid back i don't have enough stresses in my life i guess Um, and i don't think Many of us do just live in in such comfortable environment right now. I'm just sat in my living room, heating's on. I've got a blanket, I'm pretty pretty good. I've got a cup of tea next to me. I'm probably gonna watch a movie after this. Obviously, I've got the day off from work. You know, I'm pretty de stressed right now. I went training this morning. I hurt my back a little bit, but it's okay. It'll be, be fine tomorrow, I think. I hit the sauna after that. You know. You can get, you know, a lot worse than right now, right? Back to that quick cover story, yeah? So, to kind of have that default aggressive mindset, something I wish I could... Wish, I don't like that word. Something I am going to try and cultivate. And I think it's really that... The most important part of that was the... You know, it's not an outward aggressive. It's not being aggressive toward other people. It's... It's that intrinsic self-discipline, I guess, to just go out and get after it, like, like you no, know, like Jocko says. Um, <laughs> because I certainly know. I mean, this podcast, I, I really should have been, I don't know, recorded last night. I'm not very stressed about getting it out at my usual time at 12 p.m. Um, it's already past that time now, and I'm just recording it. 
if I had a bit more default aggressive, maybe I would have got up earlier today, banged it out real quick, then gone training and had the rest of the day free, right? Discipline equals freedom. Uh, but yeah, like I say, still working on that side of things. Um, let's get back to the book because this is dragging on a little bit and I'm sure you guys have got much better things to do with your day. Uh, this will be the last one though, I think. Uh, so where we're we looking page 40 and 41 the fear of failure to the book fear of failure fear of failure can keep you from taking the risk it can leave you sitting there paralyzed into not taking action and that is obviously bad but i don't want you to overcome that fear of failure i want you to be afraid of failure fear of failure is good fear of failure will keep you up at night planning, rehearsing, going over contingencies. Fear of failure will keep you training hard. Fear of failure will stop you from cutting corners. Fear of failure will keep you working, thinking, striving, and relentlessly trying to be more prepared for battle. So I want you to be afraid of failure. I fear failure. But more important, I want you to be horrified, terrified of sitting on the sidelines and doing nothing. That is what I want you to be afraid of. Waking up in six days or six weeks, six years, 60 years and not being closer to your goal. You have made no progress. That is the horror. That is the nightmare. That is what you really need to be afraid of. Being stagnant. So get up and go. Take the risk. Take the gamble. Take the first step. Take action. And don't let another day slip by. Oh, I failed a lot <laughs> in almost everything I do. Um, you know, yeah, I got far in marine training, but I didn't pass out eventually, right? That 90 kilometer run I mentioned you know, five minutes ago, that was meant to be a 100 kilometer run. Um, shortly after that, I tried to do 1,000 burpees in under two hours. Did it in 2.20. Failed. Uh, I've tried to do like a 100 hour fast before, just on water. I think I made it to like 74 hours, something like that. Failed. Even um, last, uh, late September, me and Rob went and did that 36 mile run. I thought we could do it in 8 hours. Took me 9. Failed. I have this crazy relationship with failure, man. Um, I read a great book recently. Uh, well, no, I listened to a great book recently by this guy called Alex Benayan. It's called The Third Door. Definitely go check it out. Um, and a small part of that book really was the bit that stood out to me the most. It was about kind of how failure and success aren't, you know, one and zero or, or you know, black and white. How I would traditionally look at it, it's more of they're both outcomes of the same catalyst going out and trying, which was what Jocko was kind of saying in the second part of that, you know. I want you to be terrified of never going out and taking the chance. So, you know, I feel lucky to have failed in so many things because, you know, I've learned from all of them. And I guess that's really cheesy, like, you know, that you learn more from your failures bullshit, but... 
it is really true. Like, yeah, the reason I kind of failed, I think, the hundred kilometer run was a lack of preparedness. The reason it was so hard for me because I literally did zero training beforehand, um, and I guess you could say I didn't learn from that because I didn't do any burpees <laughs> before the thousand burpee challenge. <laughs> oh, I really I only did one run before the thirty-six mile run, so slight improvement, I guess. But I know what it feels like to fail. That kind of gut-wrenching, deep, black pit in your stomach when you've got to tell the people that we're expecting you to do something that you didn't make it. But at least I tried, man, eh? I couldn't tell you a single time I think I succeeded at something, which might seem quite sad, but to me that's like, that's the good thing, because it's... The failures are the ones you learn from, and they're the cool stories I have to tell now, right? <laughs> Probably the only cool stories I have to tell. There's no point. Oh, man. Can you imagine what a dickhead you'd sound like if you only told people about times you succeeded at stuff? The cool stories, which is, if you've listened to this podcast, the thing I'm kind of obsessing about at the moment, storytelling. I was saying to Jim last night, actually, the real cool bit, we were talking and kind of like, you know, a lot of people have been asking me like, how how long do I think I'll be going away for? And I didn't, you know, I think maybe five years, potentially, but I don't know. It might be four months, might be five years, it might be ten years, who knows? Yeah, and I was talking to Jim about his trip when he was you know, around my age and uh, went out to South America. And he had to come back because, you know, his, his bike... Um, and he lost kind of like his money and I think stuff like that and I was telling him how that part was my favourite part of his story you know if he just if he tells that story and he tells it in a different way misses out that part where he had to go and come back it takes on a completely different style you know I think people love kind of those underdog stories and coming those, you know, you got that, that rocky story of getting back up, I guess. And I guess those are the ones I like to tell as well. Not that they're worth listening to, or I'm a very good at um, articulating them. So, yeah, guys, I'm going to leave it there because, like I say, I'm sure you've all got stuff to be getting on with. I'm going to try my best to get an episode for next week. I'm not sure um, who it's going to be because I'm still without transport. Um, but yeah, if not, it's okay, we'll problem solve it, I'll find another book that I like and um, badly read it to you with um, the usual ums and ahs and <laughs> stuttering and all that kind of stuff, so go out, you know, get after it, enjoy your day, here's Guile, peace.